Uh, Lord, we are so grateful uh, for this opportunity to be here this week, to come before you and, and to sing your praises. And uh, Father, spare us from just the routine of the camp schedule today. Spare us from just mere tradition. But Lord, I pray that we would, as Mike said yesterday, we would lean in to why you have us here, uh, to your kind intentions for our lives, for your love, for your power that is made available to us through your spirit because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King, has done for us. And so, Lord, today we pray that you would enlarge our vision and expand our hearts. Fill us, Lord, with what you would want to fill us with today. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Wow. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. It is great, great to be here with you this morning, and I've, I've already enjoyed yesterday. It was just so fun uh, having opportunities to talk with, with some of you, uh, whether over a meal or a donut or somewhere in camp, and I want you to know that's just such a blessing to me, uh, to meet you, to hear some of your stories, and um, it just reminds me that the body of Christ is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you represent that. Uh, how many of you were here last night in this room? Uh, okay, then you know, there's like one word that you could say, which is wow. I mean, wow. That was so incredible. Thank you, wherever you are, Ricky. That was uh, such a blessing. To, and I, I, just, I didn't want it to end, frankly. I just, I thought he just, just got going, and then we had to close but anyway, he'll be back tonight. Do not miss it. And it was funny because I was sitting behind Adrian, and he and I are good friends. We work together and serve together at the same church, and I feel a lot of kinship and stuff. And, and yet after, he just kind of looks back at me like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm going to pray for you or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, better you than me. I don't know. Anyway, so... I mean, pre yeah, no, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. All right. Last July, you might have noticed in the headlines there was an uh, electrical outage in New York City, Manhattan. Over 60,000 people plunged into darkness. Here's an eerie image of this famous New York skyline as the sun sets. You, you usually don't see it like that. In fact, in the areas of Manhattan that were affected block after block, the only light that, was, uh, that you could see was light that was coming from cars as they would go down these dark streets, these skyscrapers just completely dark, people in them, you could imagine uh, the scene. In fact, afterwards, this is kind of the spirit of the age, afterwards when the power did uh, come back on. People were, you know, calling for the head of the mayor in so many ways and, you know, threatening to sue because restaurants lost out on business and stuff like that. But this is not the first time that 
that this has happened. There was another big one in the 70s, and in August of 1959, anyone in New York City in August of 1959 here? If you were, you... Oh, come on now. (laughs) These kids in the front row. (laughs) Jesus. uh, (laughs) Let's just imagine we were there in 1959. Uh, They had an epic, epic heat wave. I'm going to keep my eye on you two now. Epic heat wave. Uh, it was just so hot, and you know, if, if you were the, one of the rare people that had air conditioning, then you were cranking it, and uh, people were had their fans on, just 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 spitting all over the city. And as the higher you were in a building, the worse it was. I mean, you think the difference between just being in the you know the the first story of your house and the second story of your house, if that's the kind of house you live in, can you imagine being you know 20, 30, 40, 40 stories up, and it's just like a being in a chimney or something like that. And the, the, there's so much juice going to all these fans and cooling devices that the electrical meters are spinning pretty much in the same speed as the fans that they're supporting. And then right around sundown, again, the, the electrical grid just goes kaput. Large section of New York, especially Manhattan, plunged into darkness and people now trapped in, in skyscrapers. And this is before the days of these exit signs that are powered by some kind of nuclear isotope that keeps it. No, it's true. You you can look into this. Uh, This was before all all, all that stuff. And so trying to navigate your way down flights of stairs and, and hallways. And I mean, it was absolutely terrifying in building after building after building, except for one. Because in this particular building, this this multi-story building, the major tenant in that building was the Jewish Guild for the Blind. And so those folks, you know, when they learned that maybe it was time to leave work early that day, they just walked on out the same way they do every single day. No big deal, right? In fact... There were sighted people in, in the building that they, would, they took by the hand. Over 70 people that they're just, hey, I got your back, okay? And they just waltz on down, down onto the streets, out into the openness and the relative cool of the, <laughs> that day. And I love that story because today we're going to see someone who plays a similar, a similar role for us. We're going to meet a blind man who has... Uh, unique insight, uh, a guy who is going to take us by the hand a little bit and help us to see some things that pretty much no one else around was able to see in that moment. Now, to be clear, the only one that, that truly gives us insight is the Holy Spirit. But I believe the, the Spirit will, will use this person in our lives today because, let's face it, you know, we all have these lenses that we see through. Cultural lenses, uh, lenses that our families have given us, uh, lenses that we had maybe how we see ourselves or, or our, our life narrative. If we have hurts, we might see the world through those hurts. So we have habits and, and they just preoccupy us. We, we can't shake them or we're just stuck in. Maybe we're bitter about something and so we are quick to see things through these eyes and it affects the way that we see others. It affects the way that we see God. 
My prayer today is that through Scripture and through the ministry of the Spirit, that, that he's going to remove some of the scales from our eyes, that we will see something in our life that perhaps has been there for some time, but we, we just haven't even noticed it. We're just so accustomed to it. We're blind to it. But we're able to walk out of here today and say, praise God, because now I can see. We're going to be back in Mark's gospel this morning. If you want to look that up, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. And if you have the notes, you can follow along. The main verses, the key verses are going to be there as well. Mark chapter 10, we're going to be beginning at verse 46, where it says this. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now let's just hit the pause button there for a second. It's about a 15-mile walk from Jericho to Jerusalem, and when Jesus arrives there, he will be crucified in less than a week's time. This, this crowd, this parade of people that is building and swelling, they are following them. Most of them are going to follow him right on up to Jerusalem. Some, perhaps many, will be the very same people, the people that are very excited about him right now are going to be calling for his death a short time later as they yell, crucify him, crucify him. Now, there's one guy who has no intention of going to Jerusalem, and that's Bartimaeus. Because Bartimaeus Bartimaeus is simply doing what he does every day. He parks himself at a major thoroughfare, in this case, the, the road out of Jericho. Perhaps the tax collectors are on the road in, so they've gotten their take. That's how they would collect taxes as you entered into a village or a city. And there's Bartimaeus. He's hoping that maybe they've got some spare change that they will have mercy on him as they leave. And he does this every single day because that's his only option, right? There's no safety net for him. And it's interesting that Mark goes out of his way to mention parenthetically that Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. You see that in your your text? I find that interesting because uh, Bar is Aramaic for son of, and then Timaeus. Okay, well, you would think his original audience would know that, right? Like, why does he have to signpost that for us? Well, the the, the scholarly answer is that, that perhaps Mark is kind of giving a little shout out to Bartimaeus, that Bartimaeus became part of the early church, a believer, and Mark is essentially saying between the lines, hey, this guy, he's still part of the church, he's still among us, you can go ask him about the things that I'm about to tell you, he will validate that this actually happened in his own life. That's, that's kind of the scholarly consensus, I, I have nothing to object about that, but I, I, I also have a hunch because after I studied this passage, I discovered that Timaeus is from the Hebrew word Timae, which means unclean, defiled, impure. So Bartimaeus literally means son of uncleanliness, 
son of defilement, son of impurity. As if this guy doesn't have enough going against him, ironically, his, his name is, is, is embarrassing. It's somewhat insulting, yet at the same time, it's exactly what the people would have assumed about him if he had been named anything because the cultural paradigm is that if you were born blind, you know, obviously there was some sin that resulted in you being cursed in this way. That was just assumed. And so you could see in John chapter 9, verse 2, when the disciples encounter another blind man, they, they ask Jesus, they say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Again, they, they weren't, you know, saying anything that wasn't, you know, politically incorrect. That was just the cultural paradigm at the time. And yet this guy's name literally kind of points to that. Well, at, at any rate, he hears Jesus passing by, and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there's another amazing insight because notice what he calls Jesus. He calls him what? Son of what? David. That's a, that's a messianic title. Bartimaeus recognizes something about the identity of Jesus that no one else but Peter has confessed yet when Peter says, thou art the Christ, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. How in the world does Bartimaeus come by this insight? And I have to say, by God's grace, the same way every single one of us does. We're not so smart, we figured it out. It is the grace of God that awakens the mind and quickens the heart that makes us want to sing to our King Jesus, right? You can't manufacture that. That's, that's a miracle of God's spirit in your heart by his grace that you would long to connect with Jesus. Well, all his life, you know, here's Bartimaeus. He's living off the crumbs of society. I mean, he is an outcast of outcasts. And yet here he recognizes, this is my moment. The Messiah is passing by. He can't see him, but he can hear what's going on, and he is going to make the most of it. So he is yelling at the top of his lungs, and look what happens. Verse 48, it says, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. And you got to love the compassion of all the Jesus followers right here, right? You know, they're like, whoa, Jesus is great. We're following Jesus. Hey, shut it. Shut up, man. Put a sock in it. You're ruining our program, you know? We kind of got this thing going on with Jesus, and you're not, on the, you're not on the script. You're not on the platform, dude. So be quiet. I mean, imagine. Do you, do you think that even today, followers of Jesus sometimes get in the way of people trying to connect with him? Do you think that's ever, you know, a possibility even in our time, 2,000 years later? What do you think? Yeah, it's a problem. I'll just give you a light example of it. You've seen stuff like this before, but I love this because it speaks to this. Church signs are notorious for this. Uh, for instance, this one, hell, one way in, no way out, welcome. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I'm not sure what they're trying to say, but, but along the same lines, this next one, 
do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. All right. Here's, this one's classic. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. How about this one? Jesus would so smack you in the head. That was, that was the sermon title that weekend. Jesus would so smack you in the head. I'm looking at fellow pastor Mike back there. I'm wondering, Mike, you ever wanted to preach a sermon on that? Just one time? Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. Just, just once, maybe. Jesus would so smack you in the head. Um. The people at this next church are trying to sound compassionate. This next church? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all kind of where you put the emphasis, right? <laughs> all right, fine. Last one. This one is by far and away my favorite one. This one, uh, surfers, skateboarders, musicians, artists, vegetarians, occupiers, addicts, activists, and fornicators are going to hell. Repent now. And man, when I saw that, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, with a few notable exceptions, that's pretty much the pastoral staff at Twin, Twin Lakes Church <laughs> where, where I'm a pastor. <laughs> Am I correct? Few, few notable exceptions. So, this is the kind of reception that Bartimaeus is getting from the people who are following and praising Jesus as he marches along this road. Be quiet. They yell at him. But it says, continuing verse 48, he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's interesting because when, when Mark uses that term shouted louder, shouted louder, he uses, uses that term one more time in the original. It's when Jesus, he says, cried out in a loud voice on the cross. Bartimaeus is screaming. He's that desperate. And I love this next detail. Because Mark says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped stopped. Isn't that great? There's something about the cry for mercy, and you see this over and over and over again in the Gospels, that stops Jesus in his tracks. His cry reaches ears. In fact, Jesus would go on to say in Luke 18, he would tell a parable about this widow who, who wanted justice for an issue in her life, and she, she appeals to the judge, and he could care less. And so Jesus tells a story of how she kept just grinding on him day after day, asking that he would take up her cause. And Jesus says, so finally, the guy, he's so tired of hearing this widow that he, he acts on her behalf, and the moral of the story is, be like that widow, be persistent. And the word that comes to mind is tenacious. Tenacious in our prayers. Tenacious in our faith. In fact, you may have noticed this in your life. 
But how you pray has very much to do with how you live. Do think about that. How you pray often translates into how you live. Now, I'm not saying that's the sole purpose of prayer, but there is a correlation there if you think about this in your life. And there's no guarantee that that God is going to give you what you want no matter how persistent or tenacious you are. There are some things that God simply says, wait or no to, because God in his wisdom does what's best. But I want to give you today three prayers that I believe God never tires of hearing. Three prayers that I think reflect what he calls us to do as we seek him. And and they all just kind of fall right out of the story. And the first prayer is this. It is, Lord, have mercy. I mean, does the Lord ever get tired of us coming to him and saying, Lord, have mercy? I mean, even back to Luke 18, right after the story of the persistent widow, it's a story of a tax collector and a Pharisee. And the Pharisee gets up at the, right at the temple and says, man, Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm better than everyone else here. You know, I'm, I'm walking in stride with you, Jesus. Here we go. And I tithe and I fast twice a week. And oh, praise you, Lord, that I'm such a great holy person. And then meanwhile, there's a guy, he won't even approach the temple. He's a tax collector. He says, have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. And Jesus says, Moral of the story, be like that guy. Seek my mercy. And I say this because some of you here, you feel stuck. There's there's a a habit of what used to be called a, a besetting sin. And you have begged the Lord to take it away over and over again, and yet you fall into it. And you wonder if you'll ever be delivered. You know, there's that famous story that C.S. Lewis told about the, the guy that's got the lizard on his shoulder and the angel comes to him and he says, and the, the, the lizard is, is, is his besetting sin. And, and the angel says, do you want me to kill the lizard? And the lizard is saying vile things in the ear of this man and he, he, he doesn't know if he can live without the lizard. Hey, I know people who have begged God, kill the lizard, and yet they still stumble. And so if that's you, or if it's it's an issue of grief, or feeling of weakness, or discouragement, I encourage you, just, Jesus never tires of hearing, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind men. Now, I want you to watch how quickly this this crowd changes their attitude because they say, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. It's like, cheer up, dude. Don't be so discouraged. Look, you're like the new guy. Get up. What? What? We didn't have anything to do with that. Jesus would like to talk with you. He's now the new, like the new guy, the new celebrity in their midst. He's like Jesus and you, your besties. 
So if you're besties with Jesus, we're besties with you. And it's such a fickle, fake response. But again, I, I have to ask myself, does this stuff exist today? Do Christians judge other people just based merely on their appearance or where they perceive them to be in life or how they, they, they land in society's pecking order? And do we make assumptions about people based on differences or perceived identities that are completely out of bounds for us? Or just take, just take how we elevate and value certain people because of, you know, maybe some abilities or, or, or their appearance at, or what they can do on a, a football field or a basketball court, and we fawn over them. And so the church is not immune to this. The church is not immune. And if you would have asked me a while ago, if you would have said, you know, Mark, are you a respecter of persons? Is that a thing that you struggle with? I think I would have told you no. I think I would have said, not because I don't have other areas in my life that really need the Lord's grace, but I think I would have said, you know, I'm just not wired that way. I just, I don't know, I just don't get starstruck and stuff like that. And then I had the opportunity just a couple years ago to go to Super Bowl 50. Remember when it was right over at Levi Stadium? And I did not go as an ordinary fan, no, 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 no. I went there as a member of the crew for NFL Films, okay? So here's me and another pastor at Twin Lakes Church in front, uh, Pastor Dave Hicks. Go ahead. There we go. Yes, there we are right before the game. And I want you to notice what I'm wearing here. I've got my special Super Bowl 50 hat with a little gold emblem on it right there. That's, that's the first tip-off that, you know, I'm kind of a special person here, folks, as I make my way past the ordinary people. And then I've got a shirt there, uh, Super Bowl 50. On the back, it's emblazoned with the, the words NFL crew, you know. And I was like, you see, that's me. Me. Yeah, not you, me. And, and then here's the moneymaker right here. We had to turn it around because it's top secret, but that's our credentials. And on the other side, it's got my picture, and it gives me permission to go anywhere I want during the game, like anywhere. And so, for instance, before the game, I, I'm, I take this picture of the field right before I walked out on it because, well, because I could, okay? Because so that's... <laughs> That's what we're working with here. And then, you know, I, you know, Boomer Esiason, just watch him do a little pregame stuff. And, you know, and then there's Usher, you know, my new best friend right there. Let's take a little picture of you, Usher. That was pretty cool. And then uh, Peyton Manning, Manning comes out, and he's doing his pregame warm-ups. And uh, then my team, one of our first assignments uh, was to film Cam Newton when he came up came out on the field to warm up, okay? Look at this guy. I mean, even his warm-up clothes are amazing. I mean, it's like, seriously, he's, he's all shiny. He's, 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 he's got gold shoes that he doesn't even walk on the ground. He floats. He's 10 feet tall. I mean... That is a man. And I'm like, whoa, I'm, not, I'm that close to him. So again, I'm feeling pretty good about Mark, but it gets better. Because at one point, right before the game, the newly crowned Miss Universe is standing like two feet in front of me. And she's looking at me like, uh, will, you, will you just stand there uh, between me and the people behind you on the rail so they can't get too close to you? And I'm like, yes, your majesty, I think I can do that for you. you know? But I, I, I'm not a respecter of persons. 
About five seconds into that, Kevin Durant is right there in my face, yet looking me right in the eyes. And in that moment, I looked into his soul. I did. Oh, yeah. And I used my best Jedi mind trick. And I said, you will sign with the warriors. And you will stay there your entire career. So it wore off. But, but you know, you can thank me for the first couple years. Okay, I have a point. I have a point in all of this, which is, I don't know how to say this, but this other pastor, Dave, he got so sucked up in this. I mean, it was so sad. I just, my heart went out to him. <laughs> okay, not just him. Here's my point. Whether someone is famous and rich and lauded like celebrities and, and, you know, celebrity pastors, or whether they are destitute and downtrodden and dirty like Bartimaeus, aren't you glad that God sees us all the same, that God loves us all the same, that he doesn't have these kooky categories and boxes that we put people into? Aren't you glad that we're all in need of God's grace, that the ground is absolutely level uh, at the foot of the cross? Do you praise the Lord for that? Are you grateful? for that today, I sure am, because, man, I, there's just no way that I would have any standing in the Lord's kingdom if it were not for the 100% of grace that he bestows upon us, and the same is true for you. And Bartimaeus, again, he just seems to sense this, and it says in uh, 49 and into 50, he says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And don't miss that detail, because in the first century, most people, the most valuable thing they had was their clothing. And so undoubtedly, his coat is his most valuable possession. He throws it aside so he can leap up and beeline it to Jesus. And when he gets there, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Here's the king of the universe. Going, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Because after all, that king came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many. And this is where, again, Bartimaeus shows incredible insight because if he thinks Jesus is just a popular figure or maybe a, a, a rabbi's rabbi, a great teacher, well, then he's going to ask Jesus what he thinks Jesus can provide. You'll only ask Jesus for what you think he can deliver on. But Bartimaeus doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for, you know, say a few words over me. No, he swings for the fences. And so he says, my rabbi, in verse 51, I want to see. And again, if we're looking at prayers, words that Jesus um, seems to respond to, it is, it is the second prayer. And it's right here in Bartimaeus' words. It is, open my eyes. Would you open my eyes, Lord? And again, it may not be literally like he did here, but the prayer to open the eyes of my faith, to help me see the situations the way you would have me see them, help me to see relationships the way that you would have me see them. 
Many years ago, I was building a fence uh, around our, our yard, and it was a lot of fencing that I had to build, starting from scratch. And my son, Jack, was about four years old at the time. He really wanted to help me with this fence. And so Laura made him a little tool belt and got him some little tools. It was like a 10-inch waist on it or something like that. And, and there he is. He's going to be Daddy's little helper. Well, as you might imagine, he wasn't actually a whole lot of help. <laughs> because if he wasn't, like, sticking nails everywhere all over the place, <laughs> he was grabbing for the skill saw. And so I'm constantly being interrupted. Like, no, 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 Jackie. Okay, that's enough nails there. Oh, no, that's Daddy's saw. And I'm thinking to myself, I I'm never going to finish this fence because Jack keeps interrupting me. And I think just, I, I think I just kind of vaguely thought, Lord, give me patience. And there was like this light bulb that went on. And it wasn't audible, but it may as well have been because the words that came into my mind were these. Mark, you're not just building a fence. You're building a boy. You're building a boy. And that became my mantra as the nails kept going everywhere <laughs> and going after the skill saw, I'm building the boy. I'm building the boy. Now, I made the mistake of blinking, and that four-year-old is 19. And here's the thing. As much as I'd like to sometimes, I can never go back. I can never go back. So here's the thing, and, and this is, I think, what some of you parents of young kids might need to hear today because I know it's hard, and you get tired, and you, you see people walking around all carefree, oh, we're going to get donuts, and you're like, you know, your kids are in tow, or one's got to get his diaper changed, or whatever, but here's the thing, certain windows, seasons of life, they open and then they close. They come and they go. And you cannot ever go back. So a great prayer today might be, Lord Jesus, open my eyes to the opportunities around me. Because here's the thing. You can always, till your dying breath, you can ask for grace, you can ask for forgiveness, you can ask for, for healing, you can ask for all sorts of things. But, but a prayer that's probably not going to get you very far is, can I go back in your time machine, Lord? What we choose to do or not do cannot always be undone. You know what I'm saying? And so perhaps the Lord will... Open your eyes, because maybe just taking a little bit of liberty with this text today, but as far as I can tell, Jesus was only going to pass by Bartimaeus one time. One time. And then that moment would pass. So make the, mo make the most of the moment you have right now. Is it possible, is it just quite possible that Jesus is passing through your life this week at Mount Hermon in a very significant way. That there is a window that will remain open for this week that is not going to be the same a week from now. Do you have the courage to say, Jesus, will you open my eyes to what you have for me this week? Verse 52. Jesus said to him, go, 
for your faith has healed you. And I love this because notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh, okay, now that I've healed you, I've got a little bit of a laundry list for you. Time for a little bit of a, you know, payback. Let's go. Go wherever you want. Wherever your feet will take you. Wherever your new life leads, go. This is my gift to you. And yet, look what Bartimaeus does. He said, it says, instantly, verse 52 again, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. That's the last words that we have in Bartimaeus' story right here. He followed Jesus down the road. Man, as an epitaph, I would take that any single day. Jesus had mercy on Mark. He opened his eyes, and by God's grace, he followed Jesus down the road. I mean, don't you want that for yourself? And if that's true, let me just suggest this last prayer, which is help me follow. Help me follow. Wherever you lead. And you know, I don't know how you start your day. Perhaps you have a, 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 the habit, the, 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 the discipline of getting up and praying. Or maybe there's times you just don't feel like you just have the time or the energy to pray. I think you have time for nine words. Lord, have mercy. Open my eyes. Help me follow. This is very personal to me. Um, four years ago, when I was here, just 10 days before that, my best friend passed away after a long illness. And my best friend, if you know anything about David and Jonathan in the scriptures, my friend Phil, who I met in the third grade, was my Jonathan. We were like this. Outside my marriage, my closest friend and confidant for over 40 years. And in the days that followed that, there were times I just felt so sad or drained. The only thing I could say was, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on his widow. Have mercy on his kids. And open my eyes. Open my eyes to how your purposes will will be mysteriously fulfilled in this. Open my eyes to how I can support them and, and, and love them and, and encourage them. And then help me follow. Help me follow even when I'm discouraged. Even when, when um, you know, the, the battery's just drained. And I, and I want to, you know, dump the load, but there's been other griefs since then. And I keep finding refuge in these three short prayers. That though they be short, they are not little. In fact, you might be amazed at the power and the potential behind just uttering these simple three-word prayers. So perhaps today there is something in your own life, something, some burden. Are you willing to bring it to the Lord? Are you willing to just say, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Open my eyes. Help me follow If that's the case, I just want to lead you in prayer right now. Would you bow your heads as we come before the Lord? If there is something in your life this morning and you just just want to bring it to the Lord, I'm just going to invite you where you're sitting this morning 
I'm just going to invite you just to, to raise your hand. And, and God hears your heart. He knows what's going on uh, regardless of that. But this is just for you, as, as if to reach up and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy. And you can go ahead and just slip up that hand right now. We're, we're just, this is between you and God. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. And maybe for others of us, there's something in your life that it, maybe you've been taking a, 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 a relationship for granted, or, or maybe there's even something, you, you're, you're going down a path that you know is going to end in ruin or pain, and today, in his love and mercy, God has opened your eyes to that reality. Would you ask him to give you the strength to help you follow him back onto the right path before it brings great harm to you and to those around you. If that's the case, again, just with your hand up, say, Lord, that's me. Will you, will you do what needs to be done in my life? And Lord, we thank you that you hear us and that you will answer us and that you love us and that, Lord, that, that those same words that came from the mouth of Bartimaeus um, are words that reach you today. And because you are the same Jesus with the same heart, the same power, the same compassion to make a difference in our lives. We thank you for this. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen.